With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. It's like music almost, Fran, isn't it? Is. It? it really is. You know, a little rhythm to it. Get you in the mood here. It's like Groundhog Day. Let's not stop with that. It's not <laughs> Groundhog Day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. I'm Chris McPherson alongside Fran Duffy, if you couldn't guess. Yes, it is day three for us at the NFL Scouting Combine. Yes, in podcast three. Podcast three. Day five. Well, day five for you. Day five for me. Day four for you. Is day four for me? Yeah. Tuesday. Well, I got Tuesday well, night. I guess Tuesday. Yeah, sure. so yeah. Third, third, third day. But, yes, you have been here since Monday setting things up behind the scenes, making it all happen. So thank you very much once again for joining us. Uh, our episode today is going to focus on previewing the defensive line and linebacker positions at the combine and the drills. Our pick six are six potential defensive line prospects who could interest the Eagles. Uh, our game today is fill in the blank, go through a couple of situations involving the linebackers, and then your questions to round things out in our draft mailbag. If you've been listening, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, thank you very much for the support. Make sure to continue to download and subscribe wherever you are listening to our podcast, and make sure to rate and comment to let us know what you want to hear on future episodes. So... We were leading off with the Mr. Relevance the last couple days. Today, Fran, should we get into draft buzz? I think we go buzz first. Let's go buzz first on this one. So kick things off the latest news in our draft buzz. Now it's time for draft buzz. All right, to start things off here on draft buzz, the on-field drills started on Friday at Lucas Oil Stadium featuring the running backs and offensive linemen. Yes. And looking at the, you know, the running backs, you want to start seeing some of these 40 times. And the fastest of the day came from Georgia's Keith Marshall running a 4.31 second 40-yard dash. Tyler Irvin, a player we discussed on our preview podcast the other night, was second with a 4.41. He was also second in the vertical jump with 39 inches, but Keith Marshall out of Georgia, what's impressive about him is the size that he yeah. runs at, considering that he's 5'11", 219 pounds. Yeah, and a few years back, both he and Todd Gurley were a member of the same recruiting class at Georgia, and Marshall actually came in with the higher billing. He was the bigger recruit. Marshall got hurt his freshman year. Halfway through his freshman year, Gurley took over. Then he became Todd Gurley, and then there goes the rest of it. He wasn't Todd Gurley before Todd Gurley? Well, then he became the Todd Gurley that everybody knew uh, and now became to, you know, in turn to a first-round pick and uh, offensive rookie of the year caliber player. You know, Marshall, to me, he's an intriguing player. Obviously, he showed the, the athleticism today. He showed the speed. He showed the dynamic playmaking skills. He's always been a good receiver out of the backfield. There have been times over his career, especially since the injury, where he has not looked as fast. And you know, he's he's had issues with knee. He's had issues with his ankles. Uh, you know, and that will be the question: is can he stay healthy 
over the course of his career. If he can, he can be that kind of change of pace, Swiss Army knife type of running back for an offense, but can he stay healthy? That's the big question. Another impressive workout uh, from a running back coming back from an injury, Daniel Lasco, yes. Cal, team MVP in 2014, uh, was first in the vertical jump, and he was also first among running backs in the broad jump, uh, leaping 10 feet. Uh, I'm trying to find the exact numbers here. Let's see. I don't have the actual number of what he – try and get the results here. Here we go. He's got a uh, – Lasco had an 11-foot-3 broad jump. There you go. The best for a running back since at least 2006. Uh, his 41.5-inch vertical tied for third best since 2006. He had the 4-4-6-40. He had a 1-5-3 10-yard split. Both of those very good numbers for the running back position. And here's what's in intriguing about that. When I watched Lasco at Cal – I did not think he was that kind of explosive player. Okay. So this is one of those things where, uh, you know, go back and watch and see if I see it. Am I missing something? Or is he a guy who tests really well and the, you, that play speed doesn't always show up? I did not see that when we saw him at, at the Shrine game. I didn't see it when I watched him at Cal. Mm -hmm. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to go back and watch more. All right. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner Derek Henry. A lot of people wondered how he would do, and I think many people expected that he would uh, have an impressive performance here in Indianapolis well he ran a 4.54 in the 40-yard dash coming in at well over 200 pounds in fact uh, his measurements very similar to Von Miller and if you put their workout side by side they're almost identical Henry ran a 4.54 in the 40 posted a 37 inch vertical jump and went 10 feet 10 inches in the broad jump. Yeah, and really the, the biggest thing is, remember, we talked about this leading up to the week. We talked about it last week as well and, and leading up to the combine. For Henry, the straight-ahead numbers, which is the explosion, that, you know, that downhill speed, mm -hmm. Henry's impressive there for his size especially, and, and that shows up. That shows up in the 40, that shows up in the broad, that shows up in the vert. That explosive power, especially in his lower half, shows up in those areas. Now, How's he going to test on the shuttle? At this point of our filming, the the timings for his his uh, or the times for his shuttle times have not been released. Okay. So so that will be the big number for me in my eyes with Derrick Henry. Uh, Henry six two two hundred and forty seven pounds, moving that fast. Scary to say the least. But uh, as you said, Fran, I don't think there's any question about the straight ahead speed. It's a matter of does he have any wiggle to him. Yeah. to be able to thrive in the NFL. Uh, another bit of buzz here comes from former NFL GM, now ESPN analyst Mark Dominic. Uh, a lot of debate about whether Henry will go first round in the draft, second round in the draft. Uh, where does he rank among the top prospects in this year's draft class after his very impressive career at Alabama? Dominic believes that Henry will indeed, when all is said and done, go in the first round. Yeah, and I, I would be surprised. I would be surprised, to say the least, if, uh, if that were to happen. We'll see. You know, I think Henry certainly presents value between the tackles as a thumper inside. Uh, the, the question I have is, can he create yards for himself? You know, when, is, when he's one-on-one -on -one with the defender, can he create more? You know, can he make that defender miss? Can he consistently run through an NFL defender? 
that that's the question I have because against some of the best defenses on LSU or on Alabama's schedule, including LSU, including Clemson, including Oklahoma, and you know, and some of these other or Michigan State, excuse me, some of these other teams that they played with big pro-style defenses with legitimate NFL prospects didn't always see that ability. All right, uh, coming up next here, players discussing or players declaring that they will not run the 40-yard dash or take part in other drills here in Indianapolis. Some of the names to look out for here include Ole Miss tackle Laramie Tunsil, uh, USC linebacker Sua Cravens, South Carolina receiver Farrell Cooper, and Clemson corner Mackenzie Alexander. We can go through these one by one. Uh, starting with Tunsil, he did do some of the on-field workouts yep. here in Indianapolis. Uh, if those of you who are watching on NFL Network, offensive line coach Jeff Statlin from the Eagles was actually running some of the drills, though. Uh, but Tunsil, from the athletic standpoint, at this point, it's like, does he need to run the 40? He's already projected to be a potential number one pick. Seems like he's a lock to go, you know, the top two or three. Is someone in his situation need to run the 40? It's a, it, I mean, that's that's the question, you know, and to me, the guy, the guy has everything he needs. You, you, do you want to see him go out and compete and see what those freakish numbers would look like? Of course, absolutely. But you know, it, to me, that doesn't hurt him too much in my mind, uh, especially because he is, to me, clear cut. Clear cut. He is the number one prospect in the class in terms of overall ability. I recall uh, Dale and Jeremiah NFL Network watching the on-field drills and comparing. Tunsil and Ronnie Staley, who many consider the number two tackle in this draft class, and said the movement's not even close. No. Stanley's very good, don't get him wrong, but comparing he and Tunsil, no comparison. Tunsil clearly the best. Yeah, and, and again, it's not just the athleticism with Tunsil, too. We've seen so many. Think back to, to Bruce Campbell, the, the kid from Maryland, mm -hmm. who was a third round pick of the Oakland Raiders, and he ran that. Didn't he run like a 4 5 three, 40 or something like that? Something that ridiculous. Um, it's not just the movement skills with Tunsil. It's not just that he's a freakish athlete for his size. He's not just a dancing bear. He's got the ability to play with good technique. He's got the ability to move people off the football. He knows how to use his hands. He's got very clean feet. I mean, he's he is a very, very clean tackle prospect. All right. Uh, Sua Cravens, not running the 40-yard dash. Yep. Don't think there's any concern about his speed. No. So... Again, not a big red flag there for him not competing in those drills. Here it, would have been, it would have been interesting because he's put on weight. He's put on some weight. He was listed 225. Uh, Tony Pauline reported earlier on our site on, uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com in his draft buzz piece that he was up over 238 pounds in training. You know, So now at that weight, will he be able to maintain that speed? That would have been interesting to see. But if he's got some kind of issue going on, you want to see him get completely healthy before going through his athletic testing. All right, and then Farrell Cooper, apparently it's an injury in Clemson's. Mackenzie Alexander also with him. He was injured in the title game, or yep. he was injured going into going the into title game, and he re-aggravated a hamstring injury, so that's why he will not be competing. Looking through the height weights, you mentioned Cravens. I just wanted to see where did he actually come in at. Uh, he came in at 226, so pretty much his playing weight right there. So uh, six, feet even, six feet even, 226 pounds, according to the measurements. Going through some of the offensive line standouts here in Indianapolis in the uh, agility drills, the testing numbers. Uh, Jason Spriggs ran the fastest 40-yard dash, if I'm correct here. Bringing this up over here. Let's see. We're going 4-yard dash among the O-linemen. 
Jason Springs of Indiana. Left tackle, 4-9-4 to lead all of the offensive linemen. Joe Thune from NC State, just 1-100th of a second slower at 4.95 seconds. And then Spriggs, again, impressive in the three-cone drill. Checking it with a time there of, let's see. Oh, actually, it was the 20-yard shuttle that I want to note here for Spriggs coming at 4 0.44 seconds, the second best time to UCLA's Jake Brendel. Uh, this is an interesting category here because back in 2011, Jason Kelsey ran the best of the offensive linemen at 4.14 seconds. Interesting. And that's the best <clears throat> recent time here noted on NFL.com. But uh, your thoughts on Spriggs' impressive workout, uh, a player spotlighted by Tony Pauline as someone who would shine during the agility drills here in Indianapolis. Yeah, and, and Spriggs is really, really impressive to me on tape because of his light feet. You know, he's got good athleticism. He has the ability to play the left tackle position traditionally at the NFL level because of his light feet. He's got the ability to protect the edge as an offensive lineman. So uh, not surprising at all to me see this guy come out. I mean, in high school, he was a three-sport athlete, four-sport athlete, really. Played basketball, was a standout for lacrosse, a standout in track and field as well. Was a very accomplished athlete at the high school level. And you know, to see him do that here at the Combine, he was a high school tight end, transitioning to the tackle spot. Uh, not surprising at all. Uh, another player just mentioned a second ago, Jake Brendel, had a very impressive workout. What do you know about Brendel, who came in first in the this was here in the three-cone drill, 7.31 seconds, and then in the 20-yard shuttle uh, was first as well with 4.27 seconds. And again, as I mentioned, Kelsey's time, which is the recent best, of 4.14 seconds. Yeah, you know, Brendel's, Brendel's intriguing because, you know, and the number one thing that I put down as his best trait was his movement, was his athleticism. And, you know, I didn't think he was an outstanding athlete, but I thought that was his best trait was the fact that, you know, he had the ability to get on the perimeter and, and be effective in screens and on the perimeter runs. You know, I think he needs to get stronger. I think that he still need, has some things to clean up from a technique standpoint. I think he's a little bit – he's under, he's undersized, and, and that's going to be – that's going to be a big issue. He, mm -hmm. uh, he came in at the Shrine game, and he measured in with eight, eight and a quarter inch hands, 31-inch arms. No, no offensive lineman has gotten drafted with those two measurements in the past five years. So that's, I mean, he's very, very undersized for the center spot. But he's got, he's got that movement skill. He's got those movement skills. He's a smart player, a very experienced player. Uh, but that will be the question. It'll, I think it will be an uphill, uphill battle for Jake Brendel to, to get drafted at this point. Your thoughts, on, your thoughts on Joe Thune from NC State, who I like also Thune. was yeah. very, very outstanding in the uh, timing and testing drills today. Yeah, I like Thune. He's, a, he's what you call a natural bender, just one of those guys who's <laughs> very, very flexible, and not just in, in terms of his physical stature, but then also the guy's played center, he's played tack right tackle, he's played left tackle. A lot of people project him as a guard. He could project back inside the center as well at the NFL level. Again, a little bit undersized in terms of his arm length and his hand size and his weight, but a guy that has that positional versatility, and you love seeing that. I don't know if he'll ever be a starter, but I think his ability to play any position up and down the line really helps his cause to stick in the league as a valuable swing backup. I, I was laughing when you said natural bender, and I was thinking of our conversation over <laughs> breakfast over how uh, we should take scouting terms and almost turn them into like literal, what would like the literal meaning of them look yes. like? You know, people talk about glass eaters and bubble butts and all that kind yes. of stuff. So, and uh, I was actually thinking of Alex Smith, 
uh, our talented writer who's back in Philadelphia, thinking maybe it would be a Smithology charm sure. at some point down the line. That would be so, a good fit. So could play at the seed there, see what uh, comes of that. Maybe later, maybe later on uh, before before the draft kicks off. What was the other idea that we were kicking around? Uh, well, we oh, gotta, we got to leave. We got to leave some yeah, imagination. That's true. That is true. It has to do with mock drafts, to say the very least. We'll we'll leave it at that. So, uh, so I think that'll do it for our draft buzz segment. Uh, we will have later on this evening. Uh, you might already be up on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and on our mobile app by the time you download this. But nonetheless, uh, Tony Pauline will be checking in with his risers and sliders of uh, the players who helped their draft stock and those who heard it uh, based on the workouts that took place today in Indianapolis. Now it's time for Pick 6. Pick 6 today, six defensive linemen who could be of interest to the Eagles. And I'm going to start things off here with a small school prospect. Uh, he's a favorite on draft Twitter, I think you would say. and I'm sure he probably is in scouting circles. People are going to learn much more about him throughout the process here. Ronald Blair coming in at 6'2", 284 pounds, 13-inch arms. With his size, you almost wonder if he could be a three technique if he maybe add a little more weight to his frame. Uh, but nonetheless, came off the edge, was the Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Year at Appalachian State. 19 tackles for loss, 7.5 sacks this past season. Uh, grew up in Georgia, was a second-team All-State player there in high school, but ended up in the FCS and uh, dominated the competition there. And not just dominated the competition there, but dominated the co competition whenever he went up against the bigger opponents. You know, I remember against Clemson earlier this season, he was unblockable. Clemson had no answers for Ronald Blair in that game. At some point in the third or fourth quarter, they were designated three blockers, two linemen and a running back out of the backfield to try and block this kid up front. Uh, he's a, a really competitive kid. He's got a high motor. He's quick off the ball. He's got a number of different moves that he wins with coming off the line. I think he can still learn to develop that hand, those hands a little bit more. But a guy who's got that inside-outside flexibility, I think that some teams, you mentioned, you know, some teams may look at him as a potential three technique. I wrote that down in my notes, actually, that I think that he has the ability to develop into that. Or... He could stay on the outside in a 4-3, almost like a Malik Jackson-type player. Uh, really, really impressive on tape. He's got the size. He's got the quickness. He's got the burst to close from behind. I love his motor. You know, He's just a relentless player that I'm a really big fan of. I'm very, very intrigued to see where Blair ends up in this draft class. All right, you're up. All right, so uh, the first guy, and I tried to stay away from players that you talked about with Tony earlier, obviously. Yep. Uh, and one player that I think is intriguing and not just because he's a local kid, but Carl Nassif from Penn State. You know, he's a self-made player. He's from Westchester, PA. He played at Malvern Prep. His brother Ryan's already in the league, the quarterback, backup quarterback from the New York Giants. He walked on to Penn State, earned a scholarship, was a first-team All-American this year. He's one of the most productive players in the entire country. He's 6'7", 273 pounds. He's got great length. And when I, wrote, when I watched him, I wrote that he really reminded me of Devin Taylor, who was a mid-round pick out of South Carolina, by Jim Schwartz yep. when he was with the Detroit Lions. So Nassif could fit that kind of body type because he's got that great length. He can line up inside, outside. He shows really good ability to get penetration on stunts, which is obviously a big part of what Jim Schwartz likes to do up front on defense. Nassif's a really intriguing player. I really love his motor, and I think he knows what he's doing in terms of attacking pass, or attacking pass protectors and also defending the run. I think he does a solid job there as well. 
I, I like Nassib. I'm not saying he's a first or second round pick, but as a mid-round guy, I like Carl Nassib. We weren't saying first-round picks. We no, weren't saying sure. number 13. We weren't yep. saying either of those two third-round picks. We were just saying guys who, you know, could interest the Eagles at sure. one point or another, and I would leave it to Fran to find. Not that Nassib at this point is a diamond in the rough. I think everyone knows who he is, especially after leading the nation at sacks at Penn State and his story from going from walk-on to All-American. Everyone knows at this point. But nonetheless, still, someone who uh, could be of interest to the Eagles. Next up, I'm going to go, I'll stay in the Big Ten. I'll go with Shalik Calhoun from Michigan State, 6'4", 251 pounds, 34 and a quarter inch arm length, three-time All-America selection, finished out his career for the uh, Big Ten champion Spartans who reached the college football playoff with 14.5 tackles for loss and 10.5 sacks on the air. Yeah, and he's just – you know how much I love the pl those pass rushers that know how to attack offensive tackles, and I call it that pass rush skill. You know, he knows how to string moves together. He knows how to counter once he's initially blocked. He knows how to work his hands. When you have a guy that you don't need to teach that to and he's just got that natural ability to do it, and then you factor in the athleticism and the length to go with it, you have a really, really intriguing prospect, and that's definitely Shalit Calhoun, a very experienced edge rusher from Michigan State. Uh, my next guy is Syracuse's Ron Thompson, underclassman who declared for the draft, 6'3", 255 pounds, played tight end only a couple years ago. Really interesting player, you know, and because he's got that high upside explosive trait, you know, in terms of coming off the ball, I think he's got a good first step. I think that he knows, again, another guy who knows how to set tackles up in a couple different ways. I saw him do it against Vidal Alexander against LSU when they had when they hosted the Tigers back in October. A really interesting player, again, because he's got that burst, but also the athleticism and the high motor. I told you in the past he reminded me a little bit of D. Ford when he was coming out of Auburn, and Ford was a, a late first-round yep. pick. I don't think Thompson's quite that player. I didn't think Ford was quite that player. But I think Thompson in the middle rounds, another defensive end with some upside that you can really con continue to work with. I think he's got to get better in terms of his tackling. I think he's got to get stronger, but a really intriguing player nonetheless. You've been a fan of Thompson throughout the process here. I so I, I think he's really intriguing. As a, I, initially, I think he's a sub-package rusher that can develop down the line into a starter. Well, very similar to the aforementioned D4. Sure. At the very least. Uh, my last guy in our pick six, Willie Henry, interior lineman from Michigan, a disruptive yeah. interior force at 6'3", 303 pounds. Uh, close friend, high school teammate of Frank Clark, was also a college teammate in Michigan, uh, who I think played a big role in having Henry declare for the draft yeah. early. In fact, Henry doesn't turn 21 until March, believe it or not. Very intriguing player. You know, when Michigan uh, was starting to light the world on fire earlier this season, everyone's wondering, man, like, where, where is this talent coming from? Because the last couple of years, they really had left a lot of people wanting more. Henry was one of those players that really took the next step under Jim Harbaugh and a guy that's really impressive because he's one of these big kids that moves really well. And there are a lot of players like that in this draft class, and he's one of them. You can, t you can throw in Hassan Ridgeway into that group. You can throw in, obviously, we've talked about the DeForest Buckners and uh, some of these other really athletic interior players, the Robert Kimdichis and the Sheldon Rankins and Charles Tapper. Mm -hmm. And then my last guy that I want to talk about, and that's Jihad Ward. Yeah, he's 6'5", 296 pounds. You know, C-Mac, I've been a huge, huge fan of this kid throughout the entire process. Of course. A Philadelphia native. Uh, was in junior college up until 2013, so he's only played two years of Division One football. But 
really, really impressive, not just because of his athleticism, not just because of his closing burst, but then also because of his high motor. And a guy that played defensive end in a 4-3 at 296 pounds, slid inside, played some three technique in some games, and he needs to get stronger at the point of attack and hold up better. But for a guy that can just attack and get upfield, and that's that, atta that attack word that Jim Schwartz loves about his defense, I think that Ward would make a ton of sense inside as another three technique. Where will he get drafted? I, to me, he's a, he's a first-round pick. Is he a top 15 talent? That's a, that's a good question, but I think that he's a first-round talent. We'll see if he ends up going there. I, I think that this kid is really, really talented. Bach Technical Bach High Tech. School that's in right. Philadelphia, represented there. So uh, we're going to transition from our pick six to our unofficial visit, the aforementioned Jihad Ward, Philly native, played at Illinois. Here he is. So meet him. And find out why. Is it you, Fran? Did you get to do No, the this, is, this is all Alex. It's an Alex Smith special. I, I was hoping that it would be a Fran one. Just I talked to him at, at length leading up to the interview. Gotcha. Let, let Alex uh, have <laughs> do the interview, interview, and then you just fall all over him. So That's right. uh, maybe we'll hear Fran's heart there beating in the background, beating for Jihad Ward. Check it out now, everyone. The unofficial visit. All right, Eagles fans, I'm joined by Jihad Ward of Illinois, who I just learned was, in fact, an Eagles fan growing up. Uh, do you have any particular memories or players that, that really stood out to you uh, as a fan growing up? You know, I like Dawkins. You know, he always come in the clutch. You know, I, I like number 20, so he always striking down. And he's just a real deal to me. Uh, what, what about his game? or Is there anything about his game that you try to emulate? I know you play different positions, but anything that he brought that you try to bring as well? You know, he just, you know, he just got the hunger in him. You know, he always strive for greatness, and you, you need teammates like that. He just a, he's just a great player in my eyes. What's this whole process been like for you, this whole draft process, draft, draft process, coming down here, being with these coaches, being with these players? What's it all meant to you? You know, it means a lot to me. You know, it's like a dream come true. It's just a blessing to be here. You know, I just like to um, be a coach. You know, I got um, Coach Marinelli, you know, one of the um, greatest coaches in the NFL. You know, it's just a great experience. You know, it's just, it's just a good feeling. For fans who might not be familiar with your game, what do you bring to the table? What do you bring to a defense? You know, a lot of action, you know, less talking. You know, I just like to prove it on the field, you know, um, push it to the ball. You know, I, I, it's just all action with me. You know what I mean? The, um, I let the people judge my game. You know, I don't like to brag about my game. It's just all what people's decision is, what, what they think of me. So, We've seen you out here causing havoc uh, against offensive linemen. What's the key to your pass rush game? What makes you special as a pass rusher? You know, you just got to worry about getting off the ball, you know, setting the edge, you know, doing a level rush on um, on the field. You know, just got to dominate, you know. But to get off is more important to get the offensive linemen up, and then, then you just do a counter, you know, to get to the quarterback. But, you know, it's all about get-offs. What's the one part of your game that you want to improve the most heading into the draft? You know, just um, – just dominating the run game and, you know, just be a better pass rusher. Always set up a plan what you're going to do with every play, you know, and um, no loss, you know, and that's that's the hardest thing. A lot of people um, have loss, and, and, and it's, it's our job to not have loss. we got to go 100% every play. If you're tired, <laughs> call yourself out. But, you know, when you're on that field, you just got to give it your all 100%, and that's just the difficulties everybody facing. We just got to keep doing what we got to do. You talked about having Rod Marinelli down here coaching you on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what kind of feedback has he given you? What kind of tips or advice has, have you gotten here? You know, just keep doing, you know, just just stay uncomfortable. You know, just he just wants us to stay uncom 
comfortable, not just me, just the whole D-lineman in the North squad. And he just wants us to just get off the ball, get offs, you know, keep keep setting the edge on the three technique, you know, scoop on, do the head and the crack, you know, all the little things, you know. But it's all about get offs, you know, get offs interrupts the offense alignment. Once we get off, then nobody can't stop us. Jihad Ward, thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. it, man. On the clock. All right, so special thanks to Alex for doing the interview with Jihad Ward. Uh, Fran? A high school wide receiver. Really? Jihad Ward. He, not just, he didn't just play DN, he played <laughs> receiver. Just such an impressive athlete. Uh, That's just, all I got. <laughs> did you find that on page five of your scouting report yes, of him? Or? I, it, it occurred to me that I should have mentioned it. He's gonna. I mean, he's gonna rip it up this week in the combine. You know, in, in athletic drills. I'm really excited to watch him run. Then maybe he will definitely be a top 15 pick if he's. We'll see. Maybe he won't quite he get won't, to that level, but it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm telling you, this kid is so talented. All right. So on the clock today are fun and games here. A little fill in the blank action. Fill in the and, blank. All right. Let's do it. So before this is this has been something that has bothered Fran all week long. This is something that every dinner conversation, every breakfast <laughs> conversation, this, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think that in between snoring at night yep. that you are bringing up this conversation, and it's what is the value of Miles Jack in this draft class? Freak athlete, yep. you know, he's not going to perform, you know, the agility drills here at the combine, he tore his meniscus, only played three games this past season, declared early for the draft, um, Redshirt sophomore, he's expected to be 100% for his pro day, went through the medical check, and he said, you know, he knew how intense it was going to be, but nonetheless, he feels like he passed with flying colors. Uh, great during the interview, very impressive kid. Uh, def- definitely can see the stature. Uh, there are some analysts who believe he's the best player in the draft. Most put him in the top five category. The question you have, Fran, is what is the value of a player like that. Now, you could say he's someone who, you know, is great in space, is going to make plays against the run, who can cover, you know, slot receivers yep. and tight ends, you know, can be, he, he even described, Jack described himself as a, he could be a Cam Chancellor type player as well. But when you're in that conversation to be in the top five picks, is that enough? I think that's a big question that we're going to learn from teams this year. That, and that's the thing is that, you know, I think that you can look at Miles Jack and 30 teams are going to look at him in 30 different ways. You know, and some teams will look at him and say he's Cam Chancellor and he's going to play strong safety in our 4-3 defense. And sometimes he's going to play deep and sometimes he's going to roll down into the box and sometimes he's going to play man against tight ends or slot receivers or running backs. Another team may look at him and say he's Dion Buchanan and he's going to play as a, as a dime linebacker and, our, and we're going to, you know, it'll be a sub-package defense. Some teams may look at him and say, you know, he's going to be a, a four, it's, he's going to be a four-three weak side linebacker, and he, that's what he's going to be in our defense. And he's not going to be flexed out into the slot and doing anything crazy. He's going to play, and we're going to we're going to fit him right into our four-three team. A three-four team might look at him and say he's going to play inside. All these different roles he could play. You talked with Daniel Jeremiah. What did Daniel Jeremiah say about him? He's one of the best nickel corners, right, in this draft class, right. So if you if you look at him and you say, what are the strengths of Miles Jack? And you say, and if one of your first thought, one of your first responses is that he can play in coverage, the question then becomes: Is does that trait alone make him a top five pick? 
That's all you got. That's that's what you got to ask yourself because if you're looking at what are the traits that are most important at the linebacker position, athleticism isn't always the number one. It might not even be a top three or top five trait for some people. It's important because you don't want to be non-athletic and get abused in coverage. But you know, instincts and toughness and the ability to come downhill and tackle. You know, the uh, the gap discipline and. If you're if you're a four three team or if you're a three four team and you want to play him as a traditional linebacker, Miles Jack might have some learning to do because he hasn't spent a lot of time playing in the box. You know, you're, you're, there's a projection there, so it's it's going to be very very interesting. We talked with Greg Cosell last night and he thought, you know, is he Thomas Davis? You know, Thomas Davis was seen by some as a safety coming out of college and uh, out of Georgia, and some counted him that. And some draft services I remember counted him as a safety. Mm-hmm. Ended up playing 4-3 linebackers, played at a very high level for a long time. It's a brilliant career of considering course. what he's gone through. Yeah. Even All without the injuries, the injuries yep. it's an amazing career. But when you factor that in, it's just truly remarkable. Yeah, and I'm not saying – I'm not. don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that a team shouldn't take Miles Jack top five. I just think that you have to – that's what you have to ask yourself if you're going to. If you're going to make that decision – there's got to be – you have to know what you're going to do with them. See, I had somebody – because I presented that question on Twitter and somebody said, oh, well, he's at his best in, in a Charles Woodson role when he won Defensive Player of the Year uh, a few years back with Green Bay. You know, he's, play, he's used as a blitzer. He's in pressing, press against tight ends. He's, you know, lined up in the slide. He's playing in the box. That's fine. Not every team will use him that way. You know, and that's, that's just the, fa- the matter of fact. So, you know, if a team drafts him, it's like Dion Buchanan. We've had that discussion before. Yeah. When Dion Buchanan was coming out, I, and people were saying, oh, he's a first-round pick, uh, I, I don't know that he's a first-round pick unless you use him a very specific way. Arizona drafted him, and they're using him that very specific way. As we know, that doesn't always happen. Are you holding it against him that he does so many things well and that he doesn't have one? No. Su- not that he doesn't have a superior quality, but – His superior quality – his athleticism is rare. That's yeah. the that thing, yes, and – Tony Pauling earlier in the in the podcast yeah. said the same thing that I mean, NFL teams are describing as him as a rare athlete, yeah. and they don't throw that word out very often. It almost seems like that he's hurt in your eyes because he's that, and he's not a traditional player, so to speak. I think that the the question becomes: if you're looking at Miles Jack and you want to use him in a way, almost as that you know a big nickel. Well, there you can get big nickels in the middle rounds that can come in and play. You know, you can draft, like, if you're going to draft, would you, if you're looking for a big nickel for your defense, you know, would you rather, let's say you're, let's say you're Dallas, okay, mm-hmm. and you want a big nickel, mm-hmm. all right? And I don't know what they're, I haven't looked at the roster in a little bit, so I don't know their situation. If the, but let's just say you're the Dallas Cowboys, you're on a 4-3 team, and you want to go to a sub package, you want a big nickel, someone that can play over the slot, but then also can come into the box. You could either draft Miles Jack in round one. This is a good would you rather. Yeah. Would you rather draft Miles Jack in round one? Would you rather draft Sua Cravens in round two? Would you rather draft uh, Jeremy Cash in round two? Would you rather draft any of the Carl Joseph or, mm-hmm. you know, there's so you know, Deion Jones. What about Deion Jones from LSU, another undersized linebacker that, you know, has that athleticism? Of course, Miles Jack, far and away a better athlete, but then you're talking about varying degrees, and if, if he's – an outstanding athlete, how much better does that make him than a very good athlete? You know, that's the draft pick value comes yeah. into well, question. That's where you're talking about what the valuation. The so I think that every team will look at him and will value him differently 
And the position, I don't think that the position is as important because it's going to be different for every team. So us on the outside, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's more what does he bring to a defense. I guess the thing is, if you're a top five team, you know if you want someone in that role, you can lock him up that's it. right there. Yep. And that's your guy. And not say, well, we'll pass on Jack, but we'll, we'll hope that Sue Cravens is there when right. we get to the second round. You know, or Duran Lee seems like he's going to be a, a mid-first round selection by the way projections are going right. at this point. You know, it's it's a risk if you want that type of player and Jack's that type of player. Get him there versus sitting back and waiting for. So like, to, like to me, if you're if you're a four-three team and you just need a weak side linebacker, it's a le- it's less of a projection with Duran Lee, with Jalen Smith with some of those guys because they've done it consistently at the college level playing in, you know, in the box. That's your challenge as an evaluator. You have to be able to project. That's Well, that's the thing. It's not always going to be easy there for you. That's, I guess, the thing that Jack presents. Right. That's, that's, that's what makes the discussion very intriguing. So I want you to get on your soapbox and let you rant. Thank you. For a little bit there. So this was supposed to be the on the clock. We're going. Fill in the blank. I just, you know, we're going to start with the Miles Jack question here. You know, and, of course, the Eagles sitting at 13 most likely are not going to be in play for services. Probably, just, probably not. It, yes. this, is just more, this is just more of a fun philosophical debate more than anything else. Um, and you wonder if these are the same types of discussions that teams are going to be having in draft rooms throughout the NFL in the next couple of months. Uh, so the first question, again, for Miles Jack question here, who is the next linebacker drafted assuming Jack is the first one off the board? And basically I'm going, do you think Jalen Smith, who uber-talented, probably would have been a top-ten pick, a lot to be a top-ten pick, except for the fact that he's coming off the knee injury. You know, Reggie Ragland, considered the top interior linebacker. Um, you got Deron Lee, as we mentioned. Right. I, I've heard comparisons to Ryan Shazier, yep. the former first-round pick of the Steelers, who also came out of Ohio State. So who do you think is the next linebacker off the board? I think the next linebacker off the board – I mean, it's either Jalen Smith or Reggie Ragland in my mind. I love Deron Lee, but I, I, I think it's, it's going to be one of those two players. Uh, it's going to come down to what that team needs. To me, Jalen Smith is so dynamic because of his athleticism too. And not just, okay, he's going to line up. It's because he doesn't have nearly as much production on the ball as Miles Jack does. But, man, he's, he's explosive too. I'm going to lean Reggie Ragland, though. Okay. And I'll lean Reggie Ragland because with Ragland, he doesn't have the athleticism of Jalen Smith, but he's got the pedigree. He's got a bigger pedigree, I should say, in terms of the off-field. He led that Alabama defense. He's a captain. You know, in terms of being able to – anyone you talk to, they'll say he's got the ability to step right in right now, lead an NFL defense, much like C.J. Mosley a couple years ago. Gonna, I was specifically going to ask you, how does he compare to C.J. Mosley? Mosley was a better athlete. Okay. You know, and now Mosley had, uh, I believe it was a knee coming out that mm. you know, some teams were a little bit wary of, and that's why he dropped a little bit further than people expected. But, you know, Ragland, the athleticism is going to be the big question with him. How, how good of an athlete is he? Uh, to me, if you need a Mike linebacker, Reggie Ragland's your guy. It's just – does he have three down value? I think that's going to be a big question. And yep. if he does not, is that worth a top 15 that's selection? I, I think that's going to be the one concern. I, I will say 
a team will look at Smith's talent and figure, you know what, we're, you have to factor he's not playing this year. That's the biggest thing is, you know, he just suffered the injury in January. You know, you figure in a best-case scenario, you're looking, okay, he could be ready for a start of the season, but are you going to force him into playing action that quickly? Right. So you pretty much are redshirting him for the 2016 season, right. understanding that you may have a dynamic player for at least under contract for the next four years if you use the fifth-year option and beyond that if need be. So. Yeah, and Smith, look, Smith's a great player too. And I actually, from an off-field perspective, let's not forget, Jalen Smith was a captain this past year as a junior. Okay, that's can't, That does not go unnoticed. I talked with Pete Sampson, who covers the, covers Sampson. the Irish, uh, this fall on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast and asked him specifically about his character. Okay. What, what does he like away from the field? Sampson said, off the field, a curious guy. He's incredibly self-confident, and he gets into the cocky range at some points. He freelances a bit, but he's just so athletic. If you talk to people in the program, they'll say he's been frustrating because he relies too much on that athleticism. He's a really interesting personality. I wouldn't say he's low maintenance, but he's not a guy that the coaches have to worry about either. So not a guy that you know they're, they're really banging the door and trying to get to push him out. You know, no. We're not talking some of the issues that Demarcus Robinson had Certainly. or anything like that. Uh, was a cap- oh, Look, the guy was a captain this past year as, yeah. a, as an underclassman. Uh, not an easy feat. Uh, next question here. Who is the most underrated linebacker? It's fill in the blank. The most underrated linebacker in the draft is? I think it's Josh Forrest, the, the linebacker from Kentucky. And he was a wide receiver just in 2011, just a few years ago. He added 22 pounds this past year. He played at 233 pounds in 2014. Didn't play football until his junior year of high school. He came in. He excelled right away. He was a high school basketball player. Uh, to me... He's not the biggest. He's not the best athlete. He's a big kid. He's 6'3". He was listed 245. I'm not sure what he came in at today. But in terms of a guy who's physical, that can play inside, he knows what he's doing against the run. He fits the run really, really well. The question will be, can he, like, much like Ragland, can he be a three-down defender? But I look at this kid, and I think he, he's an NFL linebacker. I, I, to me, he's, he's going to stick in the league for a long time. I don't think a lot of people are talking about him. Uh, you know, in this, as like even a top 10 linebacker in this class, to me, he's on the borderline of after you get past that top four, he's right there with me. You know, you talk about Sue Cravens being there, you know, Jared Norris from Utah, uh, Josh Perry, Ohio State. I think Forrest is right in that group. Uh, for 6'3, 249 pounds. There you go. Coming in. We'll, so. see how, we'll see how he tests. But a former receiver. Uh, you know, a very interesting player. I'm still learning about. I'm learning about the top guys, so sure. I'm not going to weigh in here on who okay. would be an under the radar type guy. At I this will point. say that the after you get past those guys, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, it seems like it's a pretty strong drop off yeah. just from from what I've gathered and gleaned to this point here. Uh, with Miles Jack sidelined, the linebacker who will tear up the drills will be. Uh, I, I think that's. Uh, Deion Jones is one guy that I think has the athleticism to to test really really well. I think Sua Cravens, you know, where he's not he would have if it doesn't look like he's gonna. You talked about earlier that he's yep. not gonna run the forty. He would have been in that class. You know, in terms of the other linebacker, there are lots of players that are gonna line up as linebackers. But in terms of those off the ball type players, the other, you know, I'll tell you what. Here's one guy. Okay. ECU, Montice Overton. Yep. Okay. Say so he's a little bit undersized. He was listed by East Carolina's website at 219 pounds at 6'1 and a half. But 
in terms of the testing numbers that are listed on his site, he was a Feldman freak list guy. Okay, so uh, go. There, there's the athleticism right there. But 4.5 in the 40, 6.91 in the three cone, 4.08 in the short shuttle, 125 in the broad jump. All of those numbers would have been in the top 80 percentile in, of any linebackers drafted in the last five years. Certainly a guy that should test well this week and a very, very interesting player. You know, speaking of a freak list guy, I'm actually looking this up real quick. Uh, offensive line, Christian Christian Westerman. Westerman, yes. From Arizona State. And I think he won the bench press for the O-line. 34 reps. Yeah. There was even talk. There's video of him. Apparently there was talk that he might try to break the record. But uh, he did lead all offensive linemen. 34 reps. There we go. On the bench. Uh, let's see. The... So my, I was thinking Deron Lee. That's the player who came to mind of someone who's gonna, who's gonna quote unquote tear up, yeah. tear up the combine. He's the guy. From, I didn't even mention him. He, I should have. He's probably know, the guy that will. Um, from a timing and testing drill standpoint, and again, uh, so I see where did Deron Lee from a size wise come into here? And let's not forget Deron Lee in high school. He's only played the linebacker position for three years. Yeah. I mean, he was a he was a safety and a quarterback in high school and showed up in Columbus and played. Uh, and, and made the transition. Redshirted his first year, has played two full seasons uh, as a linebacker. So a lot of growth here, a uh, lot of room to grow, I should say, for Deron Lee. 6'1", 232 pounds, so good size considering yeah. the new wave of linebackers yep. that you see in the NFL nowadays. So good weight, good height there. So, uh, But should post some great numbers here in Indianapolis and really cement himself in that mid-first-round pick conversation. Yep. Uh, the last situation here in fill-in-the-blank, the Eagles will select X amount of linebackers in the draft. I think one. I think one linebacker is solid. I think that they will draft a linebacker at some point because, yeah. you know, switching to a 4-3, you know, you lose D'Amico Ryans. You have Jordan Hicks coming off injury. You've got Kiko coming off the injury. I think that uh, even if they do dip into free agency for that position, which is still – you know, obviously very, very possible, very plausible. I think that it's, there's a good chance they draft one as well. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Yeah. Again, keep the pipeline yes. going. Clearly. So that's going to do it for On the Clock. It's time to wrap things up in our draft mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, as we are recording this, just got the Tony Pauline risers. Oh, can we get a sneak peek? That's what I'm going to go with here. Oh. So let's, let's see. So he's strictly, it's not risers and sliders. He kept it positive. Okay. Just the risers. All right. So we talked about Derrick Henry. We talked about Jason Spriggs, Joe Thune, Jacob Brendel, uh, Tyler Irvin. Sure. He was big on Tyler Irvin. Yes. He was big on Tyler I'm Irvin. big on Tyler Irvin as well. Uh, thought he would do well. Jack Conklin, player who, you know, there were some questions whether or not he could play left tackle right tackle at well, the next uh, well, level well here we go we can we can almost merge this in okay one of our questions is from wilton houston our good our friend good friend yes wilton wilton wants to know how did jack conklin look to you he seemed slow on the kickback drill okay so uh, what is tony's what is tony right tony's write-up is conklin started the day with a 40 time that dipped under five seconds on a number of watches during po position drills he looked tenacious powerful and did not show much stiffness in his game 
Conklin also completed 25 reps on the bench press after his arms measured 35 inches. Which is impressive. That's here's the. I'm not the biggest fan of the bench press. And again, 33 inches. Right. Is the benchmark. 33 is the benchmark. 34 is very good. 35, you're in good shape. You're in very good shape. The fact that he did 25 reps with 35-inch arms yes. is very, very impressive because when you have 225 pounds on the bench and you have to lift it, you know, those two inches may not seem like a lot, but when you're pushing that weight even further and further on each rep, uh, you know, it, it's, it goes a long way. Uh, let's see. His three-cone and short shuttle times were both very good marks. So Jack Conklin, very impressive yes. guy. Uh, mentioned Daniel Lasko. Uh, let's see, Joe Dahl from Washington State. Well, leave, leave some to the imagination. People want to go and uh, – I'm, hey, I'm telling you, the hardcore fans, if they're listening to the draft mailbag portion of the podcast, hey. are probably going to read the Risers article yeah. by Tony Paul. There's always good nuggets in there, so you want to make sure uh, you're I'm trying to out. see. Let's see. I'm just kind of scanning through. Yeah, a couple other side notes as well, so we'll leave we'll leave those out there. So a uh, little sneak peek that will be coming up uh, – since already sent it to me, I'll be able to have it on the site before uh, before this is before supper. Yeah, before supper. Before supper time. Before our supper time. Uh, let's see draft mailbag. So uh, we've been talking about Jalen Smith quite a bit, quite a bit. Connor at Eagles Hype Beast wants to know if Jalen Smith is on the board at thirteen. Do you risk taking him? If you feel good about his, if you feel good about his medical, yeah, I think he's definitely in the conversation. Certainly. I mean, it's we talked about how dynamic of a player he is. Because if you figure, figure he's going to come all the way back, yep, it's you've got a three-down linebacker that can play downhill and and do everything you want. He's a slam dunk player. It would be, you know, you, you look ahead to 2017, and it's almost like you're getting another first-round pick, right? So to speak, even though you may not be able to take advantage of it in 2016. Uh, Brandon at BC4 underscore BC, where do you think Miles Jack goes? And trying wait, trying to see how far my team, my team is the Falcons. Ah, so Falcons. Wow. So I guess the uh, the Falcons aren't doing a journey to the draft podcast. No. So well, that's why we're that's why we're here. I guess we're serving the entire NFL. That's right. All NFL fan bases here. So. So, you know, I think that it. I think Miles Jack's going to be a top five pick. Yes. You know, the the conversation we had earlier was, you know, obviously all these teams are going to have to ask themselves these questions. But I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be a top five pick. So that's where you're going to have to get. Uh, I was actually just wanted to see where do the Falcons pick in the first. They have the Falcons are right after us, <coughs> if I remember correctly. That's they sad. are because uh, they definitely. Come on. I don't know. They're, they are at 14, 15. They're at 17. <laughs> they're, they're at 17. Why not? Of all the time for my computer to be oh, slow right. and crashing. They're, 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 they have pick 17. So 17th pick. So, yeah, they would have to go they'd up pretty to, far. They'd have, to, they'd have to make a Julio Jones-type oh, you beat me to it. Took, it. took it right you from you. Beat me to it. I was going to say a Julio Jones-type move. Oh. I don't know that they can afford to do that at this point. No, I would agree with that. Uh, let's see. So our, so you got the Wilton Houston question. Do you have any others on your end? Otherwise, no. I have one more here. No, for, let's go. Let's wrap it up. Uh, at Oh Wow Whom, our good friend wants to know which drills are important for the different positions. So I think we'll just take this from an athleticism standpoint, yes. not necessarily the, the field position. No, I mean, you're, you're assuming that all of those are, right. are going to be important. So. Quarterback, I don't know that any of the athletic drills are, not really. are really that important. No. Running back, to me, 
to me, it's the agilities when you look at the running back position. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking the three cone, the short shuttle. Those are the ones that are most important to me. After that, I would say it's the explode. You want to see those explosive numbers, you know, especially for some of those bigger players, see the explosive power they've got with the receivers. Oh, Derrick Henry did pretty well in those explosive drills. He did, but that, I was saying the agilities, <laughs> the agilities are more important. I know. I'm yeah, just the agilities are more important. Uh, with the receivers, uh, number one, uh, the gauntlet is a position drill, but the gauntlet is my, one of my favorite drills, period, at the combine. Um, with the receivers, I still want to see the quickness too, you know, because I think that quickness is more important to me than the long speed of the 40. So I'd rather see a guy time really, really well in the three cone, the short shuttle, as opposed to the 40 for a receiver. I still think that you need to weigh in the 40 more with the receiver. Definitely. Than you other positions. I would say I mean, maybe the so 10 yard. Maybe you might want to see the quick burst on the line with the 10 yard time. But nonetheless, I still. This is where obviously it's going to I think start to weigh a little more important. It's not yeah. the end all be all, but definitely, you know, we've talked about this with Laquan Treadwell. Right. About how. You know, one one hundredth of a second difference, one way or another, might impact whether he goes top fifteen yeah. or first round. And you, if you listen to the, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, I had Mike Quick on this past week. Or, you know, last week now at this point, he also mentioned quickness much more important than long speed at the wide receiver position for for tight ends and offensive line. To me, it's the explosion numbers. You know, I want to see those the the jumps. How are they doing the jumps? The ten yard split in terms of the forty yard dash. That's more important to me than anything else because I want to see the, how, how well those guys come off the ball. Defensive line, those same drills apply. You want to see, and, and if you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, Justice Mosqueda, it's at, at Jumosk on Twitter, does a really interesting job with force players, uh, what he calls force players. And basically he's got a, a mathematical formula that he uses with a lot of these numbers from the combine that taking all these drills into effect. And I believe it's the three cone and the jumps that helped it, and he's, it's a really, really good indicator, a really good precursor. If these guys pass or, or fail this test of whether or not they'll be successful in the NFL. So now that the combine is coming and going, I'm really excited to see which of these players uh, make, or, uh, make or break that plateau. At the linebacker spot, I think it's the same. I want to see those explosive numbers. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I want to see how quickly the guy can get downhill. Uh, you know, the agility is important too, but I want to see the, the jumps and the, uh, and the 10 yard split corner. The 40 is the, is yes, you, that you I was going to say the recovery. 40 so is that's the most, the, that is the most for the, in terms of the 40 yard dash corner is the one position that you really want to see it. It's very, very tough to, to play the cornerback position if you don't have great speed. You know, and you can make up for it in certain ways. If you are a great technician, uh, you know, if you've got the ability to hit pocket and you're more quick than fast, that, that can help you, especially if you're a slot corner instead of being on the outside. You know, you can mask it, but it's tough. You, you want to see a guy who's got that explosive speed. And then safety, you know, I think that safety, 40-yard dash is important because you want to be able to see that if a guy's got range uh, in terms of playing off the, in the middle of the field. Can he play sideline to sideline on the back end? Um, but two, you, you, it's more the 10-yard and those explosive numbers. You want to see that explosive burst. How about long snappers? Long snappers, it's all about the it's all about the bench press. <laughs> no, I got nothing. <laughs> Had to throw that one in there. Yeah, for, of course. We love you, John Dorboss. Yes. No question about it. So uh, there you go. I think that's gonna do it. So thanks again, as always, for the amazing questions, and uh, thank you very much for checking us out here on another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented 
by AAA. Fran and I will be back Saturday with a preview of the defensive backs. And then Sunday we will have a podcast. We'll see. Oh, that's what we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I don't know. We've, we're, we're, we're moving pretty well here. Through. We, got, we got DBs tomorrow, and uh, the DBs will work out Monday. So Maybe so. we just wait and do the recap on yeah, uh, we'll the recap next, next week. Maybe next week once we're back in the office. Back in the office, believe it or not. There we go. So, again, for Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. Thank you very much for listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA.